Welcome to the Tips in Salsa podcast, your local source for chips, salsa, and instructional technology happenings within the Redlands Unified School District. And here are your hosts, Jamie Quartz, Dwayne Coles, Nicole House, Caleb Rothy, and Jen Vadney. Hello, Redlands teachers and staff. We're back with an all-new social distancing edition of Tips in Salsa. Can you believe it? I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm here with our amazing tech coaches, Nicole. Hello. Caleb. Hello. And Jen. Thank you for joining us for the special edition of Tips and Salsa. All right. Yay. We may be at home. <laughs> Go ahead, Jen. Jump in anytime. We may be at home, but we are not going to do this without having our own chips and salsa. I mean, that is what we're known for after all. So we all still made sure that we have our own chips and salsa in our own private homes. This is about as socially distant as we can get, I think, guys. Um, what y'all got today? Anybody have something they want to share out? I do have a homemade salsa, not from me. Mine's from my neighbor. But I mean, hey, that's what this is all about, right? So I am rocking some Kirkland tortilla chips from Costco because I love these things. And um, I've actually got some homemade salsa here. This is Jamie's recipe. Yes. I made up a batch a few days ago. And so we're rocking some Jamie Quartz official um, homebrew salsa. It's great. Okay. I'm kind of embarrassed to say I'm eating paste picante sauce. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Desperate times. Desperate times. <laughs> I ran out to Seda Brothers today to get some chips and salsa and the chips that i wanted were sold out which mm. are full circle white corn cheddar no white corn cheddar chips that doesn't <laughs> even make sense white corn chips i can't remember the ones i grabbed because the bag is downstairs but i am eating del riel salsa delicious. Yeah, very good Seder's is out of corn chips and toilet paper Mm -hmm. <laughs> just the essentials people just the essentials. <laughs> rough times <laughs> so uh this podcast is obviously a little different for all of us uh it's been a while since we've all been together on one of these podcasts it's kind of like a you know long time no podcast thing so we're back into this right now um and we're trying to do this whole thing over zoom so none of us are together we can all see each other um enjoying the chips and salsa and we're hoping that the audio of this all turns out Okay, we really wanted to do this though because we miss doing these podcasts. We've all been so crazy busy over the last couple of months just trying to stay afloat, keep our heads above water, um, and provide all that support and assistance for everyone. And uh, But we felt, you know, that things have kind of leveled out. We felt like it was time to, to put together a podcast. So I think this will probably be our final one for, uh, for the season, for, for season two. And then we'll be back either over the summer or maybe back sometime in the fall or something like that for additional additions. So everybody, how you doing? So far so good, hanging in there. Yeah, this is the new normal, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. I miss you guys though. I mean, Zoom's great and all, but. Not the same. Not the same. It's not like sitting around our conference table. Speaking of which, if you guys catch our Twitter, um, Nicole sent a really funny Bitmoji <laughs> picture. <laughs> a virtual picture of all of us in our bitmoji sitting around the conference table at work that's how desperate we are yes yes i miss my team yes i used that image in a video tutorial of story maps that i made today so yes i miss you guys all very much and all of our bitmojis are coronavirus immune so that means they're it's safe for them to be in that room together which is great yep yes yep. I, I think I would even dare to say that I, I miss our office space. Like, oh my gosh, who would have thought that? <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> yeah. And I miss getting a chance to see and talk with all, all of you guys out there in a podcast land. Seriously, definitely miss miss you guys. It's it's a big part of why we love our jobs and and um we definitely can't wait to get back into the flow of things to be with you guys. Yeah. I find myself missing the rhythm of like a work week and the rhythm of how a month lays out for us. Um, just like the timing of when we record the podcasts and when we edit those and launch those and all that stuff. Um, all of that has been shaken up too. And, I, and yeah. I miss that. I think it took it for granted before. I miss the energy of going to a campus and you walk to a campus, whether it's 
elementary, middle, or high, there's an energy there, and you get to interact with kids and staff and teachers and um, just those meetings of everyone that you run into that you weren't planning on talking with uh, because you were there for something else, but then you run into other people, and I, I miss that. Well, and that's a lot of, of what we were wanting to talk about in this episode, right, is how we have um, kind of a divide of what things were like before spring break compared to what they're like now. You know, we, we all had that normal of going to school each day or going to our office space, um, kind of get, being in that rhythm, like you said, Caleb, seeing the same people and, and looking forward to those opportunities and looking forward to Fridays and now I don't even know what day it is half the time. So <laughs> it's kind well, of today was Friday. <laughs> I, I did. My my son said something about class in my class. You don't have class on Friday. He said, Mom, it's Thursday. Oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember uh because this all went down right for us in Redlands. This went down right as we were going on spring break. Um, and so I remember it was that last week before spring break and we're doing all the normal stuff, like, you know, trying to tie up loose and odds and ends before we're off for a couple of weeks. And I think we were all kind of getting ready to be excited about our spring break. I know Jamie had a vacation planned and I had a bunch of like projects that we wanted to do around the house and, and some things like that. And all of a sudden within like 48, 24 hours, everything just kind of started falling apart. Um, and, and obviously for, for purpose for, you know, it was necessary. But I remember that day before spring break, we were all just kind of talking and pontificating and you start to get this news about like LA Unified's having an emergency meeting. And then, yeah. you know, a little bit later in the day by noon, it was like, oh my gosh, LA Unified is going to close their schools. And they had a week, I think it was still a week to go before spring break. And so you start to watch those dominoes fall of like this district's closing. Now this whole county is talking about closing. And by the end of the day, it seemed like every district was either going to be on spring break like us or had decided that come Monday, students were not going to be coming back to school. So within the course of like what, it went, you know, six hours from every you <laughs> domino know, effect. Coronavirus is here, but we're still going to work. We're still going to school every day to all of a sudden like, whoa, hold on. Everybody across the state of California is basically tapping out and then launched the weirdest spring break in, in the history of all of our lives. I'm sure. Yeah, Was it a break? Time. I don't know about that. <laughs> not a break. Officially not a break at all. No, I had a lot of anxiety. I know during that time, like what are we going to do when we come back and you know, what's going on. And I, I appreciated trying to be able to enjoy my spring break, but in reality, that didn't happen for me, at least. I was very much um, trying to think through what's, what's it going to be like when we go back and what do I need to do to be prepared for that? So it was rough. That was a rough spring break. For me, first, my daughter was in Iceland on a school trip. And so that was taking up all of my energy, worrying about when or if she'd be returning um, on time. Uh, but she she made it in and safe and sound, and then I was able to kind of focus on what's going to happen with school. Yeah, and I, I remember, like Caleb was saying, right before spring break, there was a little very vague talk about what if, you know, what if this it got that bad where, where this ha happened. And, you know, it was still definitely a what if. And I think we kind of had – maybe some ideas in the back of our head but like you guys said when the news hit from the governor and it was a done deal and it was like nobody's returning and i think at first it was up to april 30th we had to invent and think up a brand new reality from nothing <laughs> i mean there was literally no model no district who would start nothing to lean on no best practices no anything so um, I remember that first phone call to you guys. Um, <laughs> do you guys remember what we talked about or kind of like what, what, what we were thinking or like even discussing or? I just remember thinking, we got to get busy. Yeah. You know, like this is happening. You know, you just kick into gear like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, I think, I think the first thing we were talking about is how do we start um, – communicating you know communication yeah. is was like the key one of our big key concerns so 
we quickly got that um, toolkit, um, the RUSD toolkit site up and running. And, you know, Caleb had done a good job of, you know, you know, pre-thinking that and getting the, the guts of that together, which was huge. The next question was, what do we communicate? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and there's the giant district, um, you know, things to communicate. But then there were things that were kind of in the ed tech, you know, technology realm that was specific to us, which ended up being a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I think when something like this happens, the first thing you try to do is stabilize, right? And and you try to figure out like, okay, what, what has to happen right now? All right, we're on spring break for two weeks. So that's fine. It gives, you know, the district, quote unquote, time to, to think about this and figure out what's the game plan game plan going to be. Whereas other districts already had to like by Monday, they needed something for kids to yeah. do at home. And yeah. so there was a little bit of time to like think this through and prepare for things. But at first you think about, okay, we need, we need a platform to be able to message out to, to families and parents and tell them, you know, Hey, here's what you can do. If you need a meal, like if you need lunch, here's, here's the plan for this. And here are some things you can do at home with your kids. And we kind of thought through all that and stabilized everything. And then you go, okay, now that we're stabilized, we actually need a game plan for how to move things forward. Like how do we get the ball down the field at this point? I yeah. think that we're actually at a bit of an advantage because we did have that spring break. So even though, I mean, I wasn't involved with any of those decisions that were being made on what was going to go out there, but we were able to see how things were working in other districts. And so for me, I mean, I know, you know, I've got friends teaching all over California and was asking them questions. What are you doing? What are you, you know, some were trying to go in and make packets and, and have students come and pick those up. And I mean, all of these things that we were kind of able to sort through, we, we did have that advantage. And so I think that that helped us a lot, um, along with the fact that we did have, um, some resources already. We were already doing things with our website that we were able to turn to right away. Um, things that had been part of our training from past. And um, the, the teachers embraced that. I mean, that was immediately, we just saw so much of an increase of, you know, people wanting to try all of these things that we have been putting out there. So that was pretty impressive. I was, I was excited about that. I think the other thing that really helped is early on in the process, Jamie, this must have been towards the end of our first week of spring break, something like that, um, where we had a phone call and you said, look, I, here's kind of the rough game plan. We need to go back to basics and go, what are the things that teachers need right now? They need a way to be able to get a message out to students and families. What tool do we have that can do that? How do we get everybody up to speed on that? What else do they need? They, long term, they're going to need a way to be able to meet with students, to be able to have like a live session and connect with them. What tools do we have to do that? Um, and then once you figure out, you know, and then the other things are like, how do we get assignments out to students? What, what platform or tool would make that happen? And then how do teachers pre-record like a little mini lesson or um, make a video for their students? So it's not something live, it's something the teacher builds ahead of time and then pushes out to students. What, what are the tools that we have at our disposal to do that? Identify all those things. And then the second part of that is, okay, how do we get everybody up to speed on this knowing that we can't all get together in a room at the same time. We can't have some sort of like live PD thing. It's all going to have to be remote and asynchronous and, and something that teachers can self-serve. Um, but it was really helpful to go to, to not think about all of the challenges, but think about what are the basics that people need right now and how do we make this easy and accessible so everybody can kind of take a step forward and get started with the process. And yes, so, so if you can imagine this conversation behind the scenes, you know, some random day in spring break that Caleb just described. That was the conversation that really was the springboard for the teacher and administrator training module that you guys all saw and were able to work through. So that's that's really how it how it all happened. The the other thing that was pretty exciting, scary, and interesting at the same time was us really not learning how to zoom or how to meet, but really the pedagogy behind it. Yeah. At the same time, Zoom and Meet were changing and updating and, you know, there were national issues and concerns as well. So for us to stay ahead of the curve and create really good um, instruction and, and thought out, um, you know, guidance on that 
was huge. And that was all happening in a very short, quick time, um, real time. So yeah, that was, that was exciting. It was a crazy period of time because the decision to release information through docs, through videos, through our office hours, so people could actually interact with us and get their questions answered and, and get help walking through different procedures um, was made. But as we were making those documents, things were changing. So we had to, you know, the whole Zoom bombing was out there and we had to go through everything and make sure that we were telling our teachers the correct steps and the correct settings to use to make sure that they were safe and their students were safe. And then Google that Zoom bombing was a thing. Right, right. That is a new word. <laughs> and then Google um, saw the need. You know, Meet was not created for distance learning. It was really just created for colleagues to hop on when they needed to collaborate, but couldn't do that in, in the same location. So they saw the need to make updates, and so they were making updates pretty quickly. And so I know we were constantly returning to those documents that we were putting on the website to to update and make sure it had the most current information. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, those were some long days. Yeah. But <laughs> it was also that feeling of it, it felt good to be doing something and being productive. Um, because, you know, we were stuck at home, we were all stuck at home. And so, um, you know, I, I know for me, it those were long days, but it, it definitely was um, it, it felt good. It did. I wanted to be doing those things. So it was, it was crazy as fast as things were changing for sure, but, um, well worth it. To, to touch on something that Jen, um, said a second ago, there was a decision really early that we made that we were going to have live support and live coverage all day long, um, the <laughs> entire time. So um, I think that was a huge, and hopefully, um, you know, you folks out there um, have appreciated that it's it's the um, coverage from eight o'clock to two o'clock where you can just jump in with one of the coaches live um, on Zoom. So um, that was a biggie right off the bat. I really enjoyed office hours. At one point during like the high <laughs> rush for support, um, I clocked twenty eight people in a two, two and a half hour period of time coming into office hours. But I met so many new teachers that I haven't worked with before um, and people that I have hopped on. But that was just a really nice part of my day each day to interact and have some virtual face-to-face -face time with teachers and continue those conversations and, and provide support and meet new teachers. Yeah, it was definitely better than email because yeah. you were you did feel like even though you weren't in the same space with them, you were meeting them. You know, I mean, it really was um, a different feeling. And and I do feel like you said met a lot of new people. Um, and we should shout out to all those people who had to wait during the hike. Yes, of, <laughs> thank there you. There were some times where there were like seven or eight people waiting in line, you know, for our attention. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to do the best I can. And they were fabulous. I mean, they would listen. They're like, oh, I wanted to know that too. So uh, there was, it was a good experience all around. Every once in a while, I'd have like six people, but we all started talking. Like one person had a question and another teacher would be like, well, I have a question about her question. And then it was just a group conversation. And those were moments that you can't force. It just happened. And really, it was really a wonderful experience. Yeah. In, in reflecting on this and, and kind of the, I don't know, the adventure, the process, the trauma, whatever you want to call it, that we've all been through um, as this, I, I was thinking back on this whole thing. And I really feel like it's kind of our own Apollo 13 moment, you know, that moment where they, they put all the parts out on the table and they're like, okay, guys, we have to find a way to get this to fit into this using nothing but this. Um, and it, I'm just, I'm thinking back to those conversations that we had on the Friday before spring break when all of these closures start, were starting to come down. And we were all bracing for like, gosh, we hope Jamie doesn't come in here at like 2.45 and go, hey guys, I just talked to you know, cabinet or something like that. And they, they want to know in the next 15 minutes, what do we need to do to get teachers up to speed to teach from home? Um, and thankfully that didn't, we all joked about like, that's impossible. <laughs> Our answer to Jamie just has to go, that can't happen. And so 
now that all this is said and done, we've done the live office hours and we put together the teacher training materials and the RUSD toolkit is like so fleshed out and has so much like just what a wealth of knowledge on there. Um, you think back on this and you go, if somebody had told me beforehand, would all of this have been possible before we launched distance learning? I would have said, no, there's no way that we could do that, especially not from home remotely with none of us. But then you're in this moment, this emergency where you go, I know it's not possible, but we just have to find a way to make it happen. Like you're going to have to make it happen somehow. And by and large, I feel like we made it happen and I feel so proud of that. I'm exhausted. Um, all of those long days and, you know, exhausting, mm -hmm. grueling days definitely took a lot out of all of us, but I'm really proud of what we did. And I've also kind of thought through that and, and just, you know, you have this realization that that experience that, that we've collectively been through is exactly the same as the experience every classroom teacher has been through in the last couple of months themselves, where like this idea of you're going to have to teach from home and everybody goes, that's not possible. There's no way for me to do that. My students don't know technology. We don't, how, how am I going to do this? And yet here we have all found a way to do it and it's not perfect. And there's so many lessons we've learned along the way, but we've done it. And I think that's a huge testament to teachers nationwide, but um, especially the teachers in Redlands that have just moved mountains to make this happen without ever throwing up their arms and going, I just can't do it. It's just not possible. I, I can't engage in this. Everybody said, all right, we're going to find a way. Um, yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about the office hours is it gave me a chance to see hundreds of my colleagues in the district just go, hey, I'm here to move a mountain today. I need a little bit of advice and then I'm going to make this happen. And then everybody yeah. made it happen. And our, our students are so much better as a result of everybody doing that. You know, another neat thing that came up out about um, from this was the content creation and, and all those teachers from every grade level and even subject matter got together and started putting together some really nice standards-based, curriculum-based um, support documents that all and then we, we stored them in a way that it was shared, that everybody can access. Um, and then teachers from sites took those and they collaborated with each other on how to best fit this in within their, their population and their curriculum. And, and it really ended up being a really nice collaborative process. Uh, what do you guys think? I think they're unsung heroes. When we talk about office hours and support, people know who we are because they hop on the Google Meet and they see us. And so many of the people that created all of those lessons for the base materials, we don't know their names of, you know, we don't know all of the teachers that dedicated outside an additional time to put yeah. that, um, those materials together. And people have to let all of you know who have created those materials, lots of teachers shared with us that they were really appreciative of those materials because they were spending time learning how to use technology and figuring out Zoom and Google Me and how to pre-record um, a lesson. And so it, it freed them up to do that, knowing that they had really good quality materials to pass on to their students. Yeah, again, I agree with that. I think that that was one of the things that um, Redlands USD did very well by giving everybody that first couple of weeks to kind of get used to things and learn how to use me or Zoom um, and, and providing material that could go out during that time. It was, it just made it a little bit less stressful that you didn't have to do it all at once. You didn't have to jump into everything. Um, I mean, we saw just looking at the amount of usage that we had. I mean, when we looked at how many Google classrooms we had before spring break <laughs> versus what we have now, I mean, the number is amazing. It's just, it's, it's, unbelievable the number of people that have embraced technology and of course it's because they had to but um they're doing so well with it that i think that it's something that's just going to move us forward even further it was kind of the perfect baton pass because this team kind of built the capacity right the capacity on how to um how to do the communications you know the zooms and how to kind of organize and operate a google classroom and and even dating way prior to this, you know, understanding how to use Google Apps and 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 things like that. But the the big concern was um, what content 
are we going to give to the students? You know, and, and am I going to have to create all this stuff from nothing? So, um, so we, there had to have been the capacity building to get the, to get the information and lessons home. But the, the next step was what information and lessons are we going to send home? And that's where really, like Jen was saying, the unsung heroes um, throughout the district who helped put this together. And um, I, th I think all of that in combination has created so many new skills. And I think, I think courage, I think confidence, all kinds of great things have happened as a result of that. I, I want to piggyback off the word confidence. In preparing for the podcast, I wrote down some notes, and that was one of the words that I wrote down. And it was really wonderful to see the progression over the past few weeks in office hours uh, where teachers would come with certain questions, like not knowing how to share their screen. And then a week later, they're sharing their screen, and they're hopping all over and showing things. And they're like, well, now I have this question, and now I want to know how to do this. And it was just so fabulous to see that arc. And that kind of perfectly sets me up for one of the questions that I wanted to ask all of you guys today. <laughs> well done, Jen. Thank you. Um, so now that we've been through this experience and we've seen teachers uh, fully embrace distance learning and dive in headfirst, um, what are some of the things that we see that teachers have learned from this? And what do you guys think teachers will be taking with them beyond distance learning back into the classrooms if and when we're back in the fall or whenever we get back? What do you think teachers will be taking with them into the classrooms as a result of this experience? Confidence, I did, you know, that's a great Absolutely. one. Yeah, what else? I, I think that those recorded videos, I think that that's a huge piece. I was talking to a teacher today who, um, same kind of thing, you know, had never done any recorded video of herself. And I remember at the beginning, you know, her saying, gosh, I hate seeing myself or I hate hearing my voice, you know, all of those stumbling blocks that we all have in the beginning. Um, and today when we were talking, she was trying to find a recording that she had made and she was like, let me see. I can't remember if I have this in Screencastify or WeVideo. I may have already put it on YouTube. And I was like, look at you go. Like, you've got all these possibilities. And she's like, yeah, I, I got comfortable with Screencastify. So I started playing around with some of these other pieces. And I thought, this is great. And, and the fact that we've had so many people that have said to us how many times they've watched our videos, I hope that they would think about that and being able to transfer that to their students and giving their students the same opportunity, you know, make a video, let them take a look at it as many times as they need to. Um, some of us learn much faster than others and some of us need to go back over at a time or two. So um, I think that teachers were really going to embrace that because they had to become comfortable with it really quickly. So now that they are comfortable, I'm hoping that they continue with making those videos. Nicole, you hinted at curiosity. I've had several teachers <clears throat> talk about the content creators' materials, and, and they were so appreciative of them. And then they started asking and saying, well, I want to do that. How do I do that? Yeah. And so now that they see what's out there, their minds are like, wait a second, I want to do that and add a twist to it and kind of tailor it to my needs. So that curiosity of how to use all these different tech tools um, is starting to increase. Agreed. And I think that's going to be really sticky for our teachers. And if you, you know, if you were already on the Google train, um, like Google Classroom bandwagon prior to this, you've been using it this whole time. And you're like, I'm ready to go. My kids are ready to go. This is going to be awesome. But we have so many teachers that, uh, that, that never really jumped on that, that certainly are now. And I think that's going to be sticky for a lot of our teachers. I pulled up some data um, and just thought this would be really interesting to share. If you look at the couple of weeks before spring break in terms of Google Classrooms, we were averaging about 1,100, 1,200, maybe 1,300 active per day. So that's classrooms where something's been posted, something's been turned in, something like that. Um, if you compare that to where we were uh, when we launched distance learning, the number instead is 3,300, 3,400, <laughs> 3,500 classrooms. So tripled the use of that yeah. tool. And I don't think we're ever going to see that come back down to that 1100, 1200, 1300 number for daily use. Um, it may not stay quite at this level once we don't have to do distance learning every single day, but I think teachers are going to stick with that. Um, 
The other thing that I wanted to share, this is just mind boggling, is the Google Drive data. Um, you know, we've got some data on like how many files are being saved in Google Drive and how many people are, are sharing it and stuff like that. Pre-spring break, we were yeah. looking at about 5,000 um, share this link with other people things in Drive per day. So that's, that's a lot, right? Files mm -hmm. where somebody has shared the link out either person to person or just anybody with the link can view. Um, at the uh, distance learning, if you go back just a week ago on Monday, we had 114,000 shareable wow. links generated from Google Drive. So wow. just the number of people <laughs> that have jumped into this. I mean, we went from like a total of maybe 25,000 documents in Google Drive created daily. Um, that total now is a little bit more like 70,000 documents created on a daily basis um, and put in Google Drive. So it's just crazy how much all of this has skyrocketed. And I, I don't think we're going back at this point. Um, I think once you start using this stuff and once you realize what it can do for you as a teacher, um, you're changed forever. So if it takes a pandemic to make that happen, then maybe we can make that our silver lining for all this. That's true. I was kind of thinking of some conversations that I've had with teachers and I think, you know, I think we all understand that there's not going to be a return to what it was. It's going to be a new normal. But I, I think that people are starting to weigh, you know, really go in line with this question. What have I done and learned and enjoyed during this, you know, during this distance learning? But then there's also other things that I know and love and enjoy in the old way of doing things. How do I... How do I take the best of both worlds, you know, and kind of create my new normal as a teacher? So I, I really think that that's going to be a question that is going to be important for all of us to keep thinking about and keep at the front of our minds as we start kind of advancing into this new normal. Yeah, on that note, I would share that, you know, I think the answer to that is a blended learning model, which I know we've all been talking about for, for quite some time now. And I think more and more teachers will be embracing that going forward. This idea of learning is not best when it's all online or all offline, but when you blend those two things together, when you've got a lesson or a learning activity and you do some of it online and some of it online, uh, some online and some offline, you do some of it as a whole group, you do some of it solo, you do some of it in small group, that a blending of those things together is really the best way to teach in the year 2020 and beyond. Uh, the days of, you know, a stand and deliver lecture where students are passively taking notes, we know that's not best for education. Um, a time when we can never meet with students and the whole thing happens with distance learning, that's not best for kids. It's, it's got to be a marriage of all of that, of, you know, all the above that hopefully is the best thing for all kids. All right, someone taking notes. We've got Zoom bomb and blended learning. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our new vocabulary words. Yeah. yeah. The thing too is finding the balance with it all. Yeah. And and um, that's one of the things that so many teachers have expressed concern with 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 distance learning is that it's hard to keep the kids engaged. It's hard to keep them coming to class every day. It's hard to get them to turn in assignments. Um, and so that just goes back to that that balance just doing distance learning with, with only being on technology and being virtual doesn't work either. So neither one of those are perfect. How are we going to try to take the best out of both situations and, and make it our new norm and make it worthwhile? A pan pandemic has taught us that teachers are essential. <laughs> we are essential workers. Um, we need to have those relationships with children where we can talk to them and help them work through their questions and guide them. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Jen. And I, I think another part of that is we've learned that teachers and school in general is essential, um, both for the educational purposes, but we've also, I mean, this has underscored how important schools are to society, right? This is where students go every day so that parents can be able to concentrate and be at work or be able to work uninterrupted at home. Um, we know so many families rely on school for structure and, and organizing weekdays. We know that they rely on it for, for meals and nutrition and things like that. And so it's underscored just how valuable this whole yes. institution is and everybody, not just teachers, but everybody that's involved in what school looks like and how important that is uh, for our students. I definitely agree with that. Yep. 
Yeah, that takes me back to um, going back to the behind the scenes original conversations. Um, pretty much every decision was based upon socio-emotional health and relationships, which I really appreciated. Um, coming straight from our leadership is, you know, it's going to be relationships first and making sure that the socio-emotional needs are, are addressed for our staff and families. And um, so you'll, you know, if you really think of that, that kind of colors all the policies and decisions that, that um, came out right off the bat. So agree. We didn't start right away with students after the break because we wanted teachers to learn how to use the technology. They needed that time. And the district wanted to pass out lots of computers to yeah. families that did not have a computer at home. Yeah, in the rain, just for fun. We yeah. <laughs> should shout out, Jamie, to your team of passer-outers that were out there with you, because it was some crazy yep. rain there, more than one day, and you guys were out there. How many days were you out there? Was it two weeks total? Yeah, actually, we went into the third week. We oh went, went through God. Wednesday of the third week. Um, How many computers? Over 6,000. Woo! That's right. So I, I mean, um, we should definitely throw throw definite um, congratulations and thanks to our IT friends. Oh, yes, yes. Yep. Also to the um, behind the scenes to the um, the admin staff of um, the IT group and the instructional tech group for working on Fresh Desk and the, yep. help, the help desk has been huge. Thousands, thousands of tickets and thousands yep. of support, support tickets answered through this um through this um call but such again, a team sorry i was just gonna say such a team effort necessary to make this thing happen um any one of these things in isolation doesn't exist without everything working in concert and being complementary to really you know it, as tough as this has been um even what we've been able to provide isn't possible without a team of dozens of people behind the scenes making that stuff happen yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. It, it is amazing how much we have been able to accomplish, even though we are not in the same building. Um, I, think, I think that's the craziest part for me to look back on. And like you're saying, Jamie, you know, how many emails and tickets and how many people we've met with, Jen, and, you know, all of these questions that we've answered, and not a single one of them has been in person. So um, it's pretty amazing when you think about it, how much you can actually accomplish um, and, and, I mean, I, I would say we, we did pretty well, so. <laughs> I, I think for me that also underscores just how important technology has become in all of our lives. Right. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, like what did the district distribute to the community? When you go pandemic is happening, we're closing schools, what are we distributing? We distributed meals and Chromebooks. Those are two things. <laughs> And Wi-Fi. Food, yeah. Food Nutrition and <laughs> devices. Um, you know, and if you, if you think about it, we all locked down as society and we immediately said, okay, everybody works from home now. You just figure it out. And, and we need essential workers, you know, police and fire and uh, medical professionals. They're all going to work. Those working in grocery store, they're going to work. We need truck drivers delivering things. But other than that, if you are a lawyer at this point, you're just doing that from home. Everybody is going to be at home doing this. And the only way that that's even possible, like we didn't even think twice about it, but the only way that that's possible is devices and the internet. And so, you know, if this lockdown had happened in 1950 and we had said, everybody's going to work from home now, that's not really possible. You can't, without video conferencing, without ways to send email and answer support tickets and that kind of stuff, this work from home idea isn't possible. So as society, we all said, we're just working from home now. And we said, okay, that means school is happening from home now too. And that's a huge undertaking to try to pull off. But I think it really speaks to the importance of technology to our society now that all of this work from home stuff is not possible without the technology backbone. And I, for me, as somebody that's passionate about education and passionate about technology, it underscores how important technology has to be to education at this point. If our students are not getting these skills, if they're not conversant in the technologies and the way that, that work gets done in the world, we're doing them a disservice. And so I think it underscores how valuable and how important tech is, obviously for distance learning, but even yeah. in times of not distance learning as well, it's, it's every bit as, a, as important um, and maybe even more important than we gave it credit for circa a couple of months ago. 
For sure. I agree with that 100%. I mean, we couldn't have predicted this in any fashion whatsoever. But the fact that, like we were saying in the beginning, um, over a matter of days or, or a week, a week and a half, we completely transformed. And by we, I mean society in general. I mean, it's not just, you know, Redlands Unified. It was everywhere that um, things just changed and it was on a dime, you know, yep. and, and technology definitely had a hand in that. And um, I mean, to me, it's, it's pretty amazing. Or some of the things that you see that are, um, you know, being invented, Jamie, or <laughs> are, are making it work. Um, one of my favorite ones in the very beginning was students who were um, to get the sanitizer out of the pump. Instead of touching that pump, they put a motion sensor on it. And so they would just put their hand in front of it and then the, the sanitizer would come out. Or teachers who are taking their phones to make document cameras. You know, they've, they've yeah. got all these crazy contraptions with Legos and cardboard boxes. And I mean, just so many inventions just to make this stuff work. It's pretty cool. It's, it's kind of interesting to see and look back. It'll definitely um, be something for the history books, I think. <laughs> well, we that talk reminds about I was just gonna say, we talk about the four C's all the time, right? And we talk about in education, having um, an innovator's mindset and, and trying to be that kind of person that thinks creatively and is solving tough problems. And man, has the, the pandemic brought all of that to the forefront. And we've seen uh, firsthand how valuable those skills are for our students, because that's what we're all having to resort to right now is reliance on that creative problem solving approach and uh, finding ways to communicate and, and make ourselves well understood, even though we can't be face to face right now. Um, this is a, a textbook lesson of how important all that is for our students in what we do every day. That's well, my favorite phrase right now. The pandemic made me do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that um, creative solutions makes me think of uh, a conversation that I had with a world language teacher earlier this week, and she hopped on. Hey, Maria, we're talking about your. <laughs> your question and our solution. Um, but we were talking about all these devices that we have and her need to provide feedback to her students in Spanish because it was, you know, an upper level Spanish class and all her comments are in Spanish. And she talked about how her phone, if she dictates into her phone, it switches and it picks up that she's speaking a different language and it starts typing in that language very easily, but her computer wasn't doing that. So we started to think, okay, what could we use? What other tech is out there that we could use to make this problem be not a problem anymore? And we ended up using Google Classroom and using Google Keep and having her dictate and having what she dictated pop up on her screen in her Keep and then she could just easily copy and paste. And that's not going to change how she runs her classroom when she returns, but it I think it's something that she will definitely continue to use if she's at home grading papers, that yep. ease, you know, that technology just made that process of commenting on papers much easier. Well, I think as a result, we're all changed. Uh, we're all changed as people. We're all changed as professional educators having gone through this. And it means when, whenever we get back to normal or whatever our new normal is, you hear all those things bandied about, um, we will all be better educators as a result. We will take all the great things that we did when we, we did in-person teaching before, and we're going to mix that together with what we have learned and how we've grown as distance learning teachers. And I think we will all be more effective. I think our students will be more effective learners um, and have newfound appreciation for what school provides for them. And I think we will all be more effective educators uh, mixing together all of these old and new skills that we've learned. I think what we've just done is not only cathartic, <laughs> which is <laughs> us kind of reminiscing on what we've just been through together. Yeah. Um, I think it's important for all of you guys to do is kind of like before you forget or before it gets too far from when this all started, think back to where you were. Um, right before this all started in the journey that you took um, through this whole process and, and where you've grown and what you also want to hold on to, which is kind of what we're doing right now. And I think um, I really have enjoyed this reflective process. You know, it, it's, it, it brought back a little post-traumatic stress from some stuff. But, you know, it, it brought about a lot of emotion, but in the end it's, it's helped kind of recapture 
you know, the important things of what we've learned and, and, and how we've grown through this process. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, we, you know, there was a time when it felt like, gosh, how are we ever going to get through this? And we will all get through this. And every, you know, we will see everybody on the other side. And like we just said, if you, um, if you get that chance to reflect and think about how you have grown, we're all going to come out the other side changed and, and also probably better than we entered into all of this. All right. So uh, everybody, the summer is upon us. And this summer is probably going to be very different than most summers that we're used to. Society is going to look a little bit different. As a professional educator, what could you be doing this summer that, um, you know, uh, coming off the heels of this distance learning experience, what, what recommendations does everybody have for everybody? I love Jamie's recommendation of take a second, pause, reflect, collect your thoughts, maybe even journal that out, write that out, to do the same cathartic thing that we've done where you get all the baggage out there and then you start to think about uh, how you're better for it. Anybody have any other ideas? Well, if you like to get the baggage out there by doing physical work, you're more than welcome to help me finish my retaining walls. Just put it out there. I thought you were going to say yoga, Jen. <laughs> yoga is awesome. I have a four o'clock class today, live streaming. Technology allows me to keep up my yoga. Thank you, the yoga room. I think too that it's also, I mean, this is all far from over. So um, kind of prioritizing and thinking about, you know, what you were doing before that you want to continue doing. That's, that's still going to be beneficial for your students. But then what have we all learned from all of this and um, can, can start blending, for lack of a better term, um, together with, with some of that old stuff. Um, again, finding that balance, not really, it's not necessarily saying get rid of everything that was old, but it's also not um, forgetting some of the new as well. <coughs> Going back to the way things were. So how can you balance all of that and um, really plan the instruction in your classroom to look a lot different? And I think especially because we don't, there are so many unknowns right now. I think, you know, I, I find myself wanting answers. Like, when are we going to be back to normal? And mm -hmm. what is teaching going to look like in the fall? And can somebody walk me through all of those details? And look, the four of us have talked about this a bunch of times already. We don't know. And there's, there's not a whole lot of answers for that. So, Nicole, what you said about just being mindful of all those things and thinking through it a little bit so that you're prepared for whatever the next steps are, I think is, is definitely, a, a, you know, the right way to go. Plus, I also would like to say that um, I'm really hoping I can still wear my slippers every day if we ever go back to normal, because that is, but I just, woo, that, that's probably the best thing for me. <laughs> my dogs are going to be very angry with me. That's, yeah. They sit with me all day. I have them on either side of me, and I get up, they get up. We are a pack. Yeah, Jamie, there may be a bring your dogs to work day. Yeah. <laughs> Every day that ends with why. Yeah, and that includes Einstein. <laughs> the one other thing I want to throw out is we've mentioned blended learning a couple of times. We're all big fans, and, and we hope to be able to do more with blended learning in our district in kind of some formal way. Uh, but for any teacher that's interested in doing that, now that you've jumped all the way into distance learning, if you want to start to blend some of that online and offline learning together, uh, maybe this summer would be a great time to do a little bit of research and poking around in that concept. There's a ton of materials and resources out there for you. Um, one that I think we're all big fans of are uh, Catlin Tucker. She has a series of books and a website and a bunch mm -hmm. of um, videos and TED Talks and, and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. She would definitely be somebody that's worth looking into. And if you're looking for a little bit of summer reading, um, that might be a great thing for any teacher that's looking to learn a little bit more about blended learning. I would even go so far as recommending following her on social media. Yeah. Um, she's had some really great, and they, they go back to her blogs, but um, for me, it just is a reminder to go and read that. And um, even through all of this, she's talked about how, you know, blended learning is not the same as distance learning. And so how can we kind of, you know, make the shift and what do we need to do? And how do you, how do you plan a lesson differently when you are not with students? Or, you know, what's that going to look like? Um, luckily, she's had a ton of experience. I mean, she's been doing this for years. So she has a lot of suggestions that are you hear those things and you go oh yeah that makes sense I just hadn't experienced it before so I hadn't thought it through yet um, so definitely following her on social media is is a plus for me I like to see what her posts are all about and she's a high school teacher high school English teacher still in the classroom 
she walks the talk, talks the walk. I don't know. What is that? Walks the, yeah, I don't I think know. You got it. I think we're going okay. with that. All right. <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes people leave the classroom and promote ideas. She's still in the classroom talking about blending learning and, her ideas have evolved because she has evolved with that concept in her own teaching. Definitely. Yeah. Well, to her. Ooh, can I plug one thing? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, um, Catlin Tucker books might be on your list to read this summer, but the pandemic kind of hijacked my after school workshops about your Esri accounts. And so I just wanted to put like a shout out. Y'all got them. Um, so please check out the ArcGIS resources that are now on the Instructional Tech Coaches website. There's a YGIS video. There's an introduction to your account video. There are a few examples of what teachers have already done as well as videos and outlines, some video tutorials and some outlines of the apps that are uh, offered within your account. So if you are interested in checking that out over the summertime, they're there. Um, it's just started and more resources will be added uh, regularly, but it's there for you to check out and feel free to contact us if you have any questions about using any of the ArcGIS apps within your classroom. And Jen, what, what's the link for that awesome Tech Coach website? Oh, it's bit.ly forward slash R-U-S-D tech. All right, well, that is a wrap, folks. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of our social distancing podcast. We do hope that you are all well at home. And again, we yes. are appreciative of you and we, we miss you all. And, and again, um, take care of yourselves and um, hopefully fall will bring us back together. Um, congratulations to all of our, our graduates, not only high school graduates, but college graduates and graduates of anything else. And uh, anybody else I forgot, we love you too. Thanks for joining us today. This is RUSD EdTech signing off. Please check out the ArcGI. Edit. Okay. I think it just got Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be awkward. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! Memorized it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. This is RUSD EdTech. Signing, Signing off. off. Off? Miss you. That again? Off. Off. Signing off? One. Signing off. off. I think we need to redo that I one.